Amen. I'm recharged. I'm ready to go. Because in the end of the day, the glory is yours, the kingdom is come, and the battle is over. Amen? Man, that was a song. That's, that's some lyrics to a, a crazy song right there. Amen. Amen. Let's get, let's get settled in. For the next three or four hours, just tell the person next to you, guy out there, just, let's just, uh, let's really press in and let's really hear. I believe God wants to speak to us. Amen. Every time we come together, God wants to speak to us. Do you know that even in a lousy sermon, God can speak to you? So there's hope for me. We're good. Amen. Even in a, it doesn't matter because the word of God never returns void. Amen. So, so it doesn't matter. You know, I, I kill myself during the week, stress myself out. Oh, my God. Blah, blah. And, and at the end of the day, the battle is over. The glory is God's. So, so let me just share a couple things with you and, and, and let God speak to your heart because he has to do it anyway. Amen? I got this quote I wanted to, to start with today. I haven't thrown you a quote in a while. This is heavy. Keller says, we are more sinful and wicked and flawed than we ever dared to believe, but we're more accepted and loved than we ever dared to hope. Wow. We're more sinful and wicked and flawed than we ever dared to believe, but more accepted and loved than we ever dared to hope. Father, we just come before you this morning. We thank you that, that the glory is yours, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. I thank you for, for those hearts that are here. I thank you for those that have come today to be in your presence, to be in community, to be a part of your family today. I pray that, that no one would leave empty today. I pray that, that, that everyone that came would get what they came for in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. I want to read a scripture to you. If you can put that Psalm 139 up, and I'm just going to ask you to stand and, and, and just so that you can be still in reverence before the, the reading of God's word. You can follow along on the screen or on your devices. Psalm 139, a psalm of David. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If, if I uh, ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. Wow. You may be seated. There's power in this spoken word. Amen. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, but you, when, when you read the Word, if you read it boring, it'll be boring. <laughs> if you read, oh God, where are you? Oh God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's not something that can be read like that. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know my coming and my going. Wherever I am, there you are. I can't hide from you. When you read the Word, it's alive, Amen. I was reading a, a devotional on, on that scripture and, and the writer tells this probably a fictitious story of a professor who on the first day of class, after having gone through some rough times in his own life and having determined that for him, God does not exist. And so on the first day of class, he puts a statement on the board. He writes, God is nowhere. God is nowhere. Nowhere to be found, doesn't exist. And it wasn't something he wanted to discuss. It wasn't something he was going to teach on. It was personal for him, and he just wanted people to know it. God is nowhere. And then one day, during one of the breaks, a student slipped up to the board, and he drew a little line right in the middle of the word, totally changing its meaning. God is now here. God is now here. And that has been the challenge set before man since the beginning of time. Since the beginning, man in all his wisdom has tried to move from the thought that God is now here to God is nowhere. So that he can live anywhere he wants and he can do whatever he wants and not have to feel the weight of God being anywhere. And so it, 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 even right from the very beginning, it, just like Adam did after sin entered the garden, we hide from God. Anybody ever hide from God? Some hide from God in their disbelief. Some people will argue to you to death. I don't believe you can't prove God does not exist. I don't want to hear God, 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 God. And, and they're hiding in their disbelief. Because if they're convinced that God exists, it means they might have to live a different way. It means they might have to be accountable to some things. Some people hide from God in their doubts. They say, well, I don't know. Ah, the Bible, ah, I don't know if this could be this, could that, and that. And they hide in their doubt and in their questions. Some people hide in their anger. I had a co-worker the other day tell me, she's, she's Jewish, and she tells me, uh, somebody had asked her, do you fast? You know, the Jewish holidays just passed. And she said, do you fast during this? And she said, you know, I used to, but, but um, when my father died, I got so mad at God. I got so angry at God that I stopped fasting. And it's funny because, you know, you think about things like, am I punishing God by not fasting because I'm mad at him? Like, am I affecting God? Or is this for me or is it for him, right? Some people hide from God in their anger and in their unforgiveness. Some, some hide from God in their shame. Met so many people. I think at the women's conference, so much of that was lifted this weekend. Amen. I, man, I came by Friday night. I was here Friday night. I was trying to get some work done in the office, but of course I couldn't. It was just, so I just sat in there and listened. That was the best women's conference I've ever been to. I mean, I never go to women's conferences, but it was, it was awesome. 
So some people hide from God in their shame. And, and I love the way God handles Adam when he hid because he had done something wrong. This is, this is a word for somebody here. Listen, he, he asked him a question. God asked Adam, where are you? Where are you? Now picture Adam and Eve, they're naked, they're ashamed, and they're trying to hide behind a tree. It's as silly as this, it really is. They're trying to hide, they're naked, and he's like, shh, it says that they heard him coming, and and so he said, shh, 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 and they hide. And, and so God is like, you know, it, 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 it's God, God says, where are you? And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not like God really can't find them. I'm really, I'm pretty, amen, I'm pretty positive. Thank you. I'm pretty positive. It's not like God is saying, but where did they go? I don't see them anywhere. I think maybe God is asking them, maybe in a way he's asking them, maybe you should rethink this hiding thing. Maybe you should rethink this this hiding thing. And, And listen, that's a word for some of you here today because some people hide in church. Some people hide in ministry. You figure if I'm in here, then everybody think everything's all right. Well, if I'm in the ministry, then, you know, I'm doing things for God. Maybe it'll outweigh the bad that I do. Maybe, you know, whatever, whatever. And we, we have this notion. Some people hide right in ministry. But listen, listen. Think, receive this today. You can't play hide and seek with God. That's a bad game to play with God. Let me tell you why. Because he can never turn away from you in a where he can't see you. No, come on, that was deeper than y'all letting on. That's good preaching. You can't play hide and seek because he can never turn away from you in a play and be in a place where he can't see you. Everywhere he looks, he can see you. Amen. So that's a bad game to play with God. David wrote that psalm that we read later in his life after he'd already tried to hide from God. He tried to hide from God in his stubbornness, in his lust, in his deceit, in his sin. David was a dirty dog. Right? And, and I love that the Bible shows us his dirt. The Bible doesn't paint all these guys like superheroes. Like these guys were perfect and they did everything. David, David stayed home from a battle one day. Let's get into I don't want to get into that story. That's a whole other sermon. But he stayed home from war and he was checking, he was peeping on the rooftop, and he saw somebody taking a bath naked. And he lusted after her, and he said, get me that woman. Found out she was married, and that's a whole other sermon, but understand that God doesn't hide the dirt. You know, if if the Bible was written by men, we wouldn't tell those stories. We'd tell all the David victorious. He threw a rock, and he killed that giant God, and man, that was... We tell the good stories. We won't tell those other stories. But God shows us also so, so that we don't idolize them and so that we can understand that God could do the same thing he did with them through us. Amen? So David wrote that, that psalm in his stubbornness. He wrote it in his sin. And, and everywhere he mentions, he says, God is now here. I, I left here to go over there so that I can be. But when I got here, God is now here. And, and so I left there to go over here, but when I got here, now God, because every time you leave there and come here, you're here and God is now here. Because there's nowhere that God isn't. Amen. Amen? Come on, man, no fairy tales. We started a new series two weeks ago, and this is week three, no fairy tales. And we, we started with the, the series with what was called apologetics. Apologetics is just like a $10 scribble word for defending biblical truth against anything that stands up against it. 
right? And so it's exciting because when we remove all the excuses that people come up with about following God, then we can start to open the word differently with confidence and with boldness. Amen? When you remove all the doubts and the questions, then you can start reading the word with some boldness, with some confidence. Then it starts taking hold of you. Then it starts meaning. Then God starts using it in your life. Amen? We can read a passage of scripture like I read this morning and feel its beauty and feel its power. The Bible makes it clear that the job of defending the faith belongs to every believer. Did you know that? It's, it's, it's our job, all of us, not your pastor. You guys are funny. You bring people to me all the time. Hey, this guy thinks, uh, you know, over here he thinks in evolution. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. This guy, this guy has a Santa Barbara on his neck. Tell him, pastor, tell him, tell him. Tell him about that. Tell him about that Santa Maria stuff. Tell him. And that's not my job. That's our job. That's our job to defend the faith. It's our job. The word says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So when people at work tell, how come you don't get as pissed off as I do? It's not for you to give them some cornea because I'm a Christian. It's for you to drop some knowledge. That's an open door for you to go and drop something. Amen. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, the word says. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of Christ and take captive every thought and make it obedient to him. Wow. <coughs> we take captive. So we've been exposing the lies. This, this past week, I get a call on Thursday. Lee already shared this with the women, so you guys just act like, oh, and never like you never heard it. <laughs> this is brand new, new stuff. So I get a call Thursday night from Jason. Jason gets here first. He's opening, preparing for the for the worship team practice. And he tells me, Pastor, there are flies all over the church. There are flies like I never seen, big black flies all over the church. I mean, like a lot of them. They're here, they're there, they're over there, they're, they're everywhere. And, and so then as people started coming in, the team was here, the women, uh, Stacy and them were here to prepare for the, for the women's uh, thing this weekend. And so now the whole team is hitting me up in different texts and phone calls. Pastor, what are we going to do? There's flies all over the church. I'm home trying to study the Bible, but they want me to deal with flies. But everybody's hitting me up. There's flies all over. Can, can, we, can we do something? Can we do something? Friday night is the women's thing and, and Sunday morning. What are we going to do? You know, the church is all pretty, but there's flies everywhere. So I called the custodian, Jose, bless his heart. He came in Friday morning. And he said there were so many flies, he ran to Home Depot. And he bought a 12-pack of bombs. And he came here and he set off nine of them. He set off nine bombs all over the, the, the church. He came back later in the afternoon and he said there were hundreds of dead flies. All over the back area, all over the floor, all over the tables. I didn't tell the women that for the conference, but... <laughs> we cleaned it. It's all good. But there were dead flies all over those tables. No, we cleaned it. We cleaned it. So Pastor Gary and I started talking. I'm talking to Gary. He says, yeah, you're not the first person that called me. Everybody's calling me. I asked me, Gary, what do flies mean? And the strongest picture we could come up with in the word is when Jesus calls Satan Beelzebub the Lord of the flies. So Satan is the Lord of the flies. And the flies showed up when we started exposing the lies. Coincidence? <coughs> we just said, well, something died maybe, but we haven't smelled anything dead yet. Um... 
Or is it a picture that the church is under attack by lies from every angle? Is it a if you watch the news and you see this picture, you kind of you're forced to put things together and say, "Man, the church globally, not just TSF, the church is under attack from the father of lies." And all I know is when you drop a couple of truth bombs, they die. <laughs> That's how you kill a lie. You drop a truth bomb. Learn that when you have the gossip heads that come to you next time. Amen? When the gossiper comes to you next time, you know, you know, this dude, I think, I say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, every time you come to me, you're always talking about somebody. Maybe we should and drop a truth bomb. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Oh, but you know, this one, the sister so-and-so, she comes in and she thinks, ah, <laughs> Amen. That's the message. Go home. That's great. That's great. That's what we needed. Praise God. Can we continue? Can, can we continue with this no fairy tale series? Because listen, I want the body to be healthy. The reason we're doing all this is I want the body to be healthy. The anemic church, the church that's light on the word and bigger on attraction and, 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 and entertainment and, and not on the word, they're, they're, they're not going to make it. They won't survive. And don't get it twisted. Just because we have an incredibly creative team and they make things beautiful, we're not about all that. This is not what we're about. Amen? Okay. It doesn't mean like we have to like not have anything nice either. We want to do things in excellence because we're doing them for the Lord. Amen? But to us, people matter more than things. And people matter more than buildings and, you know, and you, you, you understand. Amen? We can't help it. We're just blessed. So I want this, this church to be healthy. Our, our mission statement and the purpose kind of of the church, you guys know, is about enjoying God. It's about serving people. And it's about building healthy families. And listen, we can look at that in a natural way. I was thinking about this. And, you know, a family that, that stays together, that's a healthy family. A family that does things together, that's a healthy family. Uh, you know, they're there for each other. They take care of one another. That's all beautiful. But there's more to it than that. A healthy family is a family that has a healthy understanding of God. A healthy family is a family that knows who they are in Christ. There's no identity issues. They have a healthy view of his church and of his community. They have a faith that's growing, a faith that perseveres, a faith that flourishes in the face of trouble, a faith that stands when tested, a faith that learns how to get along with one another, a faith, listen, you can't have 1 Corinthians 13 love without a faith that's willing to risk love. They have a faith that can be tried and remains true, a faith that overcomes, a faith that shares, a faith that multiplies. You know that a faith that doesn't share is not a true faith. Because if this building were on fire, and I knew an extra exit, and I didn't share it with you, and you just saw me dip out the side and disappear, while all of you burned. <laughs> Why are you laughing, though? That's, that's like cruel. <laughs> that was a bad picture. <laughs> but you understand, when you know something, when we know the truth... It, a faith that knows something, that stands on something, is a faith that shares. If there's people around you that don't know that, that you know God, that you have the end, that you know where the exit is to the building that's on fire, then that's wrong. And it's time to change that. Amen? It's time to, come on, somebody, it's time to change. No fairy tales. No fairy tales. Because listen, we don't want our kids going off to schools and all it takes is one atheist professor to write on a board, God is nowhere, and destroy their entire faith system. Because they were never taught what, and they believe in why, and they were never equipped. Listen, a healthy family gives each member their own faith. Listen, you can post this. You can't lean on or defend a faith that's not yours. 
You can't say my grandmother prays and my grandmother always there for me. And my... You can't defend, you can't stand on a faith that's not yours. So my father's a pastor, big deal. And they'll go through the news and show you how many pastors and the stupid things they're doing. What does that mean today? Nothing. The kids in ministry day, we don't do that because it's cute. That's more than, we don't want a 10-year-old up here trying to share a word with 250 people because it's cute. We want it because it's building some steel in them. Amen? It's, this kid, this kid is now messed up because anytime he feels empty, anytime he feels low, he's going to remember I stood in front of all these people and I told them all they got to do to recharge is plug in. That's in them. Nobody can take that from them now. He's not resting on his dad's faith or his mom's faith or his, his Theo's faith. Even though his Theo's awesome. That's not just cute. We have to, so, so we have to learn, we have to teach, and more importantly, parents, let me tell you this, you have to live this word. I don't know how people do it, but if, if I had to, if I was, I, I don't know how I would be able to face my kids if I was different when I left here. People do it, don't get me wrong. People do it, they'll preach a fire message and then walk out of here and be derelicts. And their parents and their wives and everybody look at them like, man, I don't know how he gets away with that. I don't know how God doesn't blow up his throat right there. In the... <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and maybe the time will come when that will happen. I don't know. But it's so important that we live this thing. We, we can't act like God is now here on Sundays and live like God is nowhere the rest of the week. Amen. I'm just sharing some thoughts with you. Is that all right? On the other hand, we can study and do apologetics till we are able to explain every single aspect of the faith. But if we don't actually walk in it, all we got is textbook knowledge. Right? Listen, listen. Some people want a master's in theology before they'll believe what they can plainly see. I talk to people all the time who say, I want more faith, man. I need to have more. But you haven't tried the faith that you already have. God doesn't give you more. That doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God adds when we, when we need it. God adds when we step out. God won't, God won't fill three cups because you're thirsty. He fills the cup that you're drinking from. He fills the cup that you're pouring out to somebody else in. When you pour that thing out, guarantee he'll fill it up. But if you got two other cups on the side and you're hoarding, oh, come on, man. You, you, you can't hoard the glory of God. You can't hoard the truth of God. Whatever you hoard spoils. Aye. Somebody call 911. Come on. Come on. And I talk to you, no fairy tales. I've learned, I've learned, listen, God, God, I've been, man, this is sermon 333, and that's just here at the sanctuary. I was a pastor 15 years before here. Man, I feel so old right now. <laughs> I, I feel like I need a walker right now after saying that. But I've learned, man, there's one thing I've learned. God is a generous God. I can tell you that, not because I read it, because I see it, because I lived it. God is a generous and gracious father. Look at this. This is a picture that God has given me. Listen, like a good father, God wants us to grow. He wants us to, to walk in what we already know. He, it, when you take in more than you work out, what happens? You get heavy. You get slow. When you know more than you do, you get prideful. When you have more than you share, you, you become a hoarder. And anything you hoard will spoil. We live in a sin-sick world, man. Christianity is not safe. Can I drop that revelation on you today? Christianity is not safe. It never has been and it never will be. We just finished the series before this one on the armor of God. 
Why are we talking about the armor of God? God doesn't give armor to civilians. Armor is for soldiers. Armor, God, you, you don't, nobody gives you armor to go to a party. Nobody gives you armor to be at barbecues every Sunday. Come on. Armors for soldiers. Armors for those in the battle. Those that are risking. Those that are stepping out in faith. Those that are sharing. Those that are, that are, that are pouring out. Those that are being poured into. Armor is for those on the front lines. Amen? Not those sitting back. And God, God showed me this picture because we have so many newborns here at the church. You know, I got my little baby at home, right? And I'm, I, sometimes at midnight, I'm just holding her and I'm rocking her, putting her to sleep. It's the best feeling in the whole world. They're so cute and cuddly, but they can't stay little and be healthy. And God was showing me they can't stay little and be healthy, right? They, they have to grow and, 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 and they have to start, you know, moving and they have to start getting strength in their legs. And, and when we see them start to get the strength in their legs and, and we want them to, because we don't want to carry them around forever, right? We want them to be able to get on their own, to, to be able to do things and move on their own. And so when they start to get a little strength in their legs, we, 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 we tend to, to hold them up until they get their balance and then we back up a little bit. Watch this. And then we back up a little bit and we say, come. And they'll fall sometimes. They'll fall a lot of times. But thankfully, they got the big pampers, you know, to catch the food. <laughs> and they usually they all fall like that, like, <laughs> right, Boom, right to the back. And so we'll stand them back up and hold them until they get their balance. And then we'll back up a little bit and we'll say, come. And, and they'll... Every time they, they, they'll fall, we'll, we'll stand them back. We're always watching them. We're always being careful they don't get too hurt. But we pull back and we invite them to come, to take steps toward them. And we're at the other side of where they're at with our arms wide open. And we may seem far to them, but we're right here. Listen, that's a word for somebody today. God may seem far to you right now, but he's right here. God may, God may have moved away. And, and, and you feel, man, God is nowhere. And, and, and this is whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian. You've been serving to God 20 years. It, it, sometimes God moves away and we say God is nowhere. Listen, the word for you today is God is now here. He's, he's never left. Sometimes God, he's paying attention. He's, he's closer than you think somebody and he's calling you. But there's no learning to walk without taking steps. None of us would say, let's keep the child sitting down till he's four or five. Because that way we know, you know, the legs are long, he's this big already, you know. And then we start him walking. It won't work. Because he never developed the strength in his legs to stand. So he, you could keep him till he's 15. If, if you, he never stood up, he's never going to develop. You, you understand? Am I talking to anybody today? The problem is we learn that in church, some of us. You can't do nothing in church until you're baptized, this, that, a tithing, a member. You can't be a member until you, till you learn how to tithe. You can't, you can't be a member until you take 16 weeks of courses. You can't serve. You can't help. You can't be an usher until you're you know, sanctified, filled, full of the Holy Ghost, and serving for 27 years. And, and, you can't, and we learn this in church. But, that, but the, that's not the word. The word, man, I love the word. The word, somebody just met Jesus, and Jesus sent them out. Go. And they go and change. They don't got a doctorate. They don't got a master's. They ain't even got a GED in the spirit. They just go. Amen? We started this church over 10 years ago. I can't believe it. With nothing. No bank account. Not, all we had was the calling of God to take steps. And we learned that God is in the small steps. And every time we took a step of faith, God was there. And every time we needed, God supplied. And sometimes we took steps that were bigger than most of us were comfortable with. <laughs> Those on the team are laughing. They know. We'd have like half the team say, no, 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 no. We cannot afford $6,000 a month for that building. And the other half say, hey, if you think it is, then God's doing it, let's do it. 
And so we'd go to $3,000 a month for a building. All right, we outgrew that building. All right, let's go to $6,000 a month for a building. Right now we're paying $10,000 a month and we own this building. Amen? God is awesome. And, and guess what? None of us is a millionaire and none of us hit lotto yet. Yet, I'm still waiting for one of you tithers to. I hit this lotto and God is convicting me. I pass, I don't know if you want to take this, but I said, listen, we'll put three floors on this building like that. Like that. We'll have a school, we'll have a daycare, we'll have a, we'll keep going. We'll have a housing for teenage moms. We'll have a halfway house on, man, we'll keep going as hard as God takes us, amen? I'll take the wealth of the wicked and use it for God's glory. Somebody say amen. But every time, church, listen, fam, every time we took a step of faith, God was right there ready to catch us. God was right there ready to, to, to pick us up, ready to, to make us do it again. I read this quote, and it's beautiful. God did not step away from fallen creation. He stepped into it in Jesus. Stepped into it. So, so far in this series, we've been talking about documentation and facts and, you know, arguments and all that. We've been at that textbook level. We've been talking about the natural for the last two weeks. From this point on, I want to let you know we're going supernatural. Amen? If you still want to argue, then you can talk to me after. We'll argue afterwards. But from now on, as a body, we're going from the natural, we're going supernatural. We, we've seen so far how the Savior, the Messiah, was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And we've seen the Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the New Testament. And I made some of those connections for you. And, and I've given you some possible proof right, about how, how Jesus actually existed. And we've talked about a lot of those things, and I've given you enough ground to stand on that if you needed to research, you can jump off from those things that I gave you to research more, to, to know more, amen? But from this point on, we're going to deal with arguments. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with some of those arguments as they arise in the Scriptures, but what I like to do now is get past the facts about Jesus. Stop talking about the Word, and we're going to dig into the Word. Hardcore for the next couple of weeks. Amen? I want you to see Jesus brand new the way he sees you. We're, we're going to study Christ by studying his miracles. So we're going to go right to miracles. Forget about, we're not even taking baby steps anymore. The, the one thing when you're arguing with atheists and arguing with people that want to, they say, well, you can't bring anything supernatural into it because that can't be tested and can't be proven. I said, to you it can't be. But you talk to us, it can be proven. We, we're living proof. Amen? We're living proof. I don't care if you can't write it down, but I, I bring people to stand up before you that are living proof of the supernatural. So instead of kind of wrestling and, and growing slowly, we're just going to go right to supernatural. Well, I want you to, we're going to study. There's about 37 miracles recorded in the book of, in, 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 there's about 37 miracles recorded throughout Scripture of just Jesus. This is just Jesus' Scripture. The book of John also says, and so we're going to study all of those today. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Relax. So the book of John says every one of them, if, if every one of them were written, I suppose the world itself cannot contain the books that would have, be, have to be written. So these are just the miracles that are recorded. There's 37 of them recorded. And I want to kind of go through them with the next couple of weeks. And uh, some of the rest of the pastors, and we'll kind of be, you know, going back and forth on this series. And we're going to read and go through them and, and see what's recorded and see how God will speak to us through them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to actually not start on the first one that I had here. I want to, yeah, as a matter of fact, the worship team, why don't you guys come? We'll start with the, with the miracles next week. The, the end of that psalm that I read in the beginning ends like this. David says, after all of that, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Can we just bow our heads can we just do that today before we move on? I just feel that we should pause here and 
Just reflect. See, I don't want the, the body, I don't want the church to get used to, like, every time that, that we gather, it, it has to be this, this uh, like, adrenaline shot. And it has to be this thing where everything is figured out for you and everything is answered and everything is... I, I want you to understand that we're walking in the faith as a body. And sometimes in this faith, as we're walking, we, we face things and we have struggles and we have questions and we go through doubts. And I don't, I don't want you to rely just on the body. I want you to learn that that provision comes from God. And so sometimes we have to do what David did and just stop and say, God, search me. Search me, God. And if there's, if there's anything in me, God, if there's, if there's try me and know me, know my anxious thoughts, God, take, take these things that I worry about. Take these things that I'm always stressing about, God. Know me, Lord. And see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way. I don't know where you, you stand today and you, you could be new to all this. You could be a Christian for years and years and either one of you could feel like God is nowhere to be found. Like he's so far away. In the beginning we get this beautiful picture when Adam and Eve messed up and they were hiding and they were trying to cover up from their sin thinking God is nowhere for them anymore. And the beautiful picture is that God comes looking for them. And God asks him, where are you? And Adam answers and he says, man, we, we heard you, God. We knew that you were there now and, and we were ashamed because we were naked. And so we hid. And God's next question was, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you had no covering? See, the enemy tells us that we're uncovered. The enemy tells us that we should have shame. The enemy tells us that we've gone too far. The enemy tells us that we're no good. The enemy tells us that we always fail. The enemy tells us that, man, every, you know, we mess up. We try, but we mess up. We try, but we mess up. And the enemy's always showing that to us. And so the big picture that the enemy has for us is he, he challenges our identity and he tells us, you're uncovered, man. There's no covering on you. So God says, who, who told you you were naked? And, and after he, he explains, and you know, they, they have this whole dialogue, and after he explains to them the consequences of what they've done, he then provides a covering for them. It's a beautiful picture. Adam and, and Eve are naked, and they're feeling shamed, and they're trying to cover themselves with fig leaves, the word says. And fig leaves to us is a picture of religion. We try to cover ourselves with religion. We're trying to do good. We're trying to be good. We're trying to... You know, but, but God says, listen, that's not, that covering is insufficient. And the word says in Genesis that God creates skins for them from animals. So he covers them. And that's a picture of the first sacrifice. Because the animals had to die so that they can have a covering. And it's a picture, ultimately, of the perfect sacrifice that Jesus would come that he would die so that we would have a covering. So I want you to know today, no matter where you stand, that God has provided a covering for you. When it feels like God is nowhere, put a line through it and say to yourself, God is now here. read a quote this week. It says if there's, there's only one strand of faith amongst all of the corruption within us, 
God will take a hold of that one strand. And that might be you today. You say there's one, there may be one strand of faith left in all of the corruption and all of my sinfulness and all of my flawed, all of my mistakes. God wants you to know I'll, I'll take hold of that one strand and I'm holding on to you. As we worship now in a couple of moments, I, I just feel the need to challenge this point on, we're going in. We're going to read the miracles of Jesus. We're going to learn how to step out in the supernatural. We're going to learn what those mean to us. We're going to learn what it meant to, to all of us. But, but before we even get there, we have to do this. We have to come to the place where we're standing with God. And we're in right standing with God. And so I want to ask you, you know, this is not, uh, I'm not going to do what, what you've seen and maybe what you've heard and we, we ask you to come up and do a sinner's prayer. No, I, the, to, to me, that that, that that little prayer could be meaningless because it could be just a ritual that you do. I want to ask you, if you're in right standing with God, then amen. We'll stand together. We'll worship in a few minutes. But if God has brought you here today, if you're here gathered with us for some reason and you're not in right standing with God, I want you to come and make that right. Amen. I want to let you know that God is here. I want to let you know that nobody here is judging you. Nobody here is, 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 is talking about you. Nobody, we didn't, we're not, we're, we're going to rejoice with you in a moment. We're really going to rejoice with you in a moment. If that's you, would you, would you come? Would you stand right where you are? You don't even have to come anywhere. But if God is, is, is dealing with you, if God is, is, is wrestling with you if that's and you're saying I don't know if I'm in right standing with God I, I don't know where I stand with God God has been nowhere amen thank you brothers thank you sisters amen 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 all right all right all right man we're rejoicing with you guys already man we're rejoicing with you already and I want you to know that God has provided a covering for you, man. Nothing you've done separates you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing you've done can separate you. <laughs> David said, where can I go to be separated? Nowhere, everywhere I go, you're right there with me. I'm going to ask those on the prayer team, prophetic team to go and stand with those that are standing. And we're not going to do anything weird. We're just going to stand with you and celebrate with you and pray with you if you want us to. <laughs> God is now here. Amen. Amen. Pastor Gary, would you come? Because that's a prophetic act before God of agreement and that the Holy Spirit in you is, is going to activate something in them. So, Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, for all those who came today who have made a decision to lay down their lives and to serve you, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for those today that you have snatched out of the fire, Lord God. Father, you have plans to bless them, to give them a hope in the future, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that this is the first day of a new season in their lives, oh God. 
Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you that things are going to begin to turn around from this day forward, oh God. I thank you for eternal life, oh God. And more than anything, God, I thank you that as each one stood up, that the Spirit of God, the very Holy Spirit of God, came and you made your home in them, Lord God. So everyone who is standing right now, I bless you. I bless your life. I bless your family. And I speak healing and restoration over you. In the name of Jesus, amen. You see, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when even one person turns to the Lord. So let's just thank him right now. And and just before I go, I, I believe there's some of you here, and you're saying, I have made a decision to follow God in the past. But I am recommitting my life today. I'm making a decision today that I'm going all the way. Would you stand too right where you're at? I just want to pray again. If you're saying, God, I recommit my life. Maybe I got a little off the path. But God, I'm coming back today. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you alone. So, Father, I just pray, Lord God, even for myself right now, God. God, I choose today to recommit my walk to you, Lord God, to put my faith in you, God. And, Father, for each one who has made that choice today, I thank you, Lord God, for fresh fire, fresh blessing, Lord God, over every life, Lord God. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you that you are making our way straight, Lord God. You are removing every hindrance out of the way, God. Father, for each one, Lord God, who stands before you, and they have said today, God, no more fairy tales. I will follow the truth, whatever the cost. Just receive the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. God's about to do something deep within you. Receive right now. Receive that refreshing of the the Lord. Let the winds of heaven begin to blow on you. Because when you say, God... I'm recommitting yourself. He's ready to meet you. The Bible says if you draw to him, if you choose to get closer to him, he's going to come closer to you. So just receive the blessing, the power, and the very fire of God from this day forth. So let's worship him.